2: LAist Studios. Hey, I'm Antonia Cerejido, the host of Imperfect Paradise from LAist Studios, the show about hidden worlds and messy realities. This week on Imperfect Paradise, the first of our four-part series, The Castle. The Magic Castle is a club for magicians. It sits on a little hill above Hollywood, looking like it's straight up out of a fairy tale. The thing that makes the castle so special is that you can't just show up. You have to be invited. I've driven past it many times, wondering who's in there? What's going on behind the stained glass windows? What's it like to be inside of this members-only club? This story pulls back the curtain to a world that many describe as stuck in time and gives you a front row seat to what happened in 2020 when the castle, like so many institutions, had to confront its problematic past.
3: It felt like you were back in time in a place where like, almost everyone there's an older, white, cis, heterosexual man. It's their world that you're stepping into.
1: The magician is a guy in a tux, and a woman on stage is the individual who gets sawn in half, split apart, and lit on fire. And here was like, the little lady doesn't do any magic. And then when I started my show, he just
3: left.
1: It took 10 months of us meeting before we were able to make any sort of public statement.
3: I was propelled by my own pettiness, my own stubbornness, and my hours and hours of preparation. So I was like, here we go.
2: Here's Elias, senior producer, Natalie Chudnovsky. I
0: want
3: you to meet Carly. Carly in. Pronouns are they, them. I'm a filmmaker and an amateur magic enthusiast.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> Will you still identify as a magic enthusiast? Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Because I find, I mean, for lack of a better term, I do find it to be incredibly magical. As you can hear, I'm a little surprised
0: because Carly hasn't done any magic in about six years. But that's where this all ends. It starts in Carly's childhood.
3: I grew up watching like David Copperfield specials on TV and I thought that was the coolest thing a person could aspire to was being a magician who had a special on television.
1: The Statue of Liberty standing 305 feet high and I was gonna make her disappear.
3: Um, <laughs> whenever my parents would like hit the garage door button to lower or raise the garage door, I would stand next to it with my arm out like Magneto in the X-Men. Like I was like lifting or lowering it. And I knew that I was not controlling it, but it just felt fun. I don't know. It feels powerful It in feels that powerful, moment. And I think probably many kids feel powerless, but I think especially the kid that I was getting teased at school for... Being smart and being queer and being Jewish and not even knowing I was queer yet. And just, like, wanting out of that so badly.
0: Carly did get out. They left their small town in central New Jersey, became a filmmaker, turned 30, got married. And then they moved to a new city, L.A., where they quickly got obsessed with one particular building.
1: The Magic Castle is an
3: exclusive club run by the Academy of Magical Arts, where only their members and guests are
2: allowed in. Founded in
3: 1963, the Magic Castle looms over Hollywood.
1: The Magic Castle in Hollywood bills itself as the most unusual private club in
3: the world. You already were aware of the castle? Yeah, I was aware of it, like, pop culturally. I knew it was really old. You couldn't just walk in. You, like, you'd be a guest or an invitation or something like that. I wanted to go hang out with magicians. I wanted to watch magic. I wanted access to the space.
0: If you've been in L.A. long enough, you've probably also heard of the Magic Castle. It has the same draw as a speakeasy, because to get in, you have to know someone who knows someone who's a magician. And for the magicians I've talked to for this story, being a member is a stamp of legitimacy. Why is the Magic Castle a big
1: deal? Why is the Magic Castle a big deal? There isn't a PhD in magician. So when I'm auditioning for a television show, when I speak to a event planner in California, the first question I'm asked is, have you ever performed at the Magic Castle? Just to even have the ability to walk into the doors of the Magic Castle is a mark of one's ability to gain access into an exclusive magic space. You have all these magicians that have performed here. You have all this history. There's a library of all these books with secrets. The guy who made the Statue of Liberty disappear for David Copperfield, he's just sitting at the bar. All the people, all the tricks, all the stories, it all just exists in one place. It's this castle on the hill where magical things happen in the magical world of Hollywood,
0: where celebrities go and people dress up and you can only go
3: if you have an invitation. So I started doing research into the Magic Castle and I found the Magic Castle website and it said, we offer adult magic classes And the kicker is that while you're enrolled in lessons, you basically have a temporary membership to the castle.
0: Carly had found a sort of back door to the castle, signing up for a class, which meant they'd temporarily have access to this private club. And Carly was aware that they were not the kind of person you'd typically see in the world of magic. And actually, that's what made them excited about it.
3: If you say magician, you get a very specific image in your head. It's probably an older cis white heterosexual man because that has long been the archetype of the magician in American popular culture. And at the time before I came out as trans, I was identifying as a woman, my gender assigned at birth. So I was like, I'm going to be this like younger woman person that goes in there. I'm like my early 30s. I'm queer. I'm like, they're not going to know what to do with me. So there was also this part of, like, I'm going to get in there, you know, because it's a space that's clearly not meant for me. This story
0: on Imperfect Paradise is about Carly falling in love with the Magic Castle and what happened when that love was confronted with the reality of an exclusive private club. It's about the years leading up to 2020 and how that pivotal year brought internal reckonings to so many institutions.
2: You spoke with 12 people who have some fairly detailed and significant allegations against the Magic Castle. Including the Magic Castle.
0: It's
3: about what it's like to face your own responsibility. I had good intentions, at least 50% good intentions, and then I think 50% chaotic screaming. And whether staying to fight for change is worth it.
0: We're gonna tell the story of this inflection point through Carly and the people they crossed paths with. In many ways, it's an ordinary story, but set in an extraordinary place. This is part one of Imperfect Paradise, The Castle. I'm Natalie Chinovsky. This is Imperfect Paradise. I'm Natalie Chinovsky. So Carly signs up for the beginner's magic class at the Magic Castle in 2014. Wait, what does the magic class reminder email say?
3: Reminder. Your basic magic (laughs) Uh, class—rude—basic begins next Tuesday, September 2nd at 7.45 p.m. Remember the dress code? Because, of course, the Magic Castle has a very intense dress code. All materials will be supplied. Try to come a little early so we can get organized. I look forward to seeing you at the Magic Castle.
0: The night before, how are you feeling?
3: The most excited a person could feel. Classes are uh, in the evenings during the week, so it's right in the middle of rush hour. I definitely left a lot of extra time to get there early because of traffic and just general anxiety and excitement. The Magic
0: Castle is just a few blocks over from the tourist center of Hollywood, the Walk of Fame and the theater where they host the Oscars. It looks like a Victorian mansion from a Disney movie. Stained glass windows and turrets. It was built as a private home around 1909. And then in 1963, when it got its liquor license, it became what it is now, a private clubhouse for
3: magicians. When you walk into the castle, there's like a reception area. There's no, like, door you can enter. And then I I saw that there was a a bookshelf with this little owl uh, statue on it. And the people that were working there at the front told me that you have to say the magic word in order for the owl to grant you admittance to the castle, which I was so deeply charmed by. But you had to guess what the magic word was. It's open sesame. And then the door opens. Just that moment alone, I was like giddy. Basically you're in a parlor looking bar area and there's like a big old timey fireplace. It is Victorian, dark, moody, velvet patterned wallpapers and so much old art and old artifacts of magic. And there's also Irma, the piano. She's a ghost who plays the piano. The color palette is like reds and golds and purples. All the wood is old, dark wood. It feels like exactly this thing that's just sort of like plucked out of time. It's a lot of stairs and a lot of turning. And then there's this little classroom tucked away in the back.
0: What was that first class like?
3: It felt like being back in school. We went over the rules of being a magician. Some of the primary ones being you don't do the same illusion for the same audience more than once. Obviously, you do not really reveal your secrets. We started with card tricks. How do you handle a deck of cards? Different ways of shuffling, different grips, like physically how your hand holds the the, the packet of cards. And the the thing I was super delighted by is that I kind of picked it up quickly Once I started doing classes, I would come home and, like, my wife would be like, what'd you learn? And I'd be like, give me 10 minutes. I would go in the other room, familiarize myself again, I'd come out and be like, here's a new trick I learned.
0: For Carly, learning had been a fraught thing because they have obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD. In high school, Carly says they had a tough time focusing because of it. But learning magic was a different
3: story. An interesting thing that happened... Once I started taking classes is that when I was present and learning and doing these tricks that I wasn't experiencing my OCD symptoms. And I never experienced that like in school growing up. In high school my was when I realized I had OCD and it was like spinning wildly out of control because I wasn't seeing a doctor. I wasn't medicating like anything. And so it was such a different experience of learning where I'm so present. It's just this kind of like perfect blend of mental and physical, working in harmony where you have to be paying attention on both levels really closely.
0: Have you ever found something else that quiets your OCD in the same way as magic does? No, I haven't. Carly kind of fell in love. They didn't want to become a professional, but they were constantly thinking about magic, constantly
3: practicing. I was just carrying a deck of cards with me everywhere. I'd go to work and I'm just like shuffling absentmindedly. I remember one night I was out at a bar with a bunch of friends and we got a little drunk and one of my friends was like, show us a trick. And I vividly remember, I mean, vivid is not the right word because I was a little drunk, but I remember, atmospherically I remember, um, doing a card trick for my friends and their friends. And when I did the trick everyone screamed and I wanted to just like bottle that feeling I wanted to like take that feeling and give it to everybody can you describe that feeling delight actually doing a close-up trick for someone and having them be like at the end of it like I'd have to imagine that if you like robbed a bank and then you got away with it you'd be like oh my god we pulled it off like that rush I mean pride too like I'm learning a thing. I'm learning this art.
0: After the beginner course ended, Carly took magic two, and then three and four, learning coins and more complicated tricks. After class, Carly would catch magic shows at the castle, and many of the members and performers matched Carly's early assumptions.
3: It felt like you were back in time in a place where, like, Almost everyone there is an older, white, cis, heterosexual man. It's their world that you're stepping into. The Castle says
0: it doesn't keep data on the racial backgrounds of its members, and they couldn't give me historical data on gender either. But one magician's unofficial estimate from 2019 put Castle membership at 12% female. And that's the estimate I've seen of women working as magicians in the U.S.,
1: If you ask anyone to draw you a doodle of what a magician looks like, they will still probably draw you a white guy in a tux.
0: That's Angela Sanchez, a castle member and magic historian. I called her up to talk about some of the history behind the gender disparity in magic, and she framed the conversation through the lens of power. Because to have magical abilities means having power, knowing or being able to do something
1: that someone else can't. Because of this power dynamic, for a woman to be the person wielding magic that reverses the power imbalance that a patriarchal society has already set where a man is in power.
0: And women with supernatural powers,
1: there's a word for that witches. And so, this notion that a witch, a woman who holds power, is adverse to what a woman should and ought to be is something that cues you into how women in magic are generally treated in Western European societies.
0: At the same time as women were being burned at the stake for witchcraft, there were people who earned money on the street doing performance magic. Fast-forwarding to the 18th and 19th centuries in Europe and the U.S., performance magic moved from street entertainment into Broadway theaters and the parlor rooms of upper classes. On stage, magicians would often be assisted by young boys. During the golden age of magic in the late 1800s, there were some famous female magicians, notably Adelaide Herman. And you would also see female assistants who would levitate or vanish. But in the 20th century, magic cemented a new role for women, being in peril. When an illusionist named P.T. Selbit unveiled a trick that some historians would say added an element of intentional misogyny to the stage, a trick that would become iconic.
1: Eventually, every act in Las Vegas, Nevada, does some version of this trick, sawing a woman in the it's one that audiences recognize everywhere. It is sawing a woman in half. A magician who engineered illusions, P.T. Sulbit, specifically asked for women to be the first ones to participate in this illusion. This was very much a situation that would go forward in branding magic with very clear gender roles of the magician is a guy in a tux and... A woman on stage is the individual who gets sawn in half, split apart, and lit on fire. So
0: Carly was seeing the echoes of that history at the magic castle in the way magicians talked about women or interacted with their assistants on stage. But Carly also saw things that gave them hope that the castle was making strides towards progress. For example, their magic
3: class. I remember being very pleasantly surprised that it was not a bunch of old straight white dudes. It was actually a fairly diverse class. It was, I think, almost 50% female. It was a fairly diverse group of people, racially, which was great.
0: And there was a women's group, co-founded by the historian you just heard from, Angela Sanchez. And I was like, that would be cool to have like a, a queer one. Like, I don't know, maybe there, maybe there's something there. Carly liked their classmates, Liked getting drinks after class and workshopping tricks and hanging out in this immersive, magical space that was so unlike anywhere
3: else. Really felt like I was part of something. I'm part of like a cool club. And to the outside world, this is the dorkiest club to be in. But for me, I have not been this happy in a long time. (laughs) You know? So yeah, I did four classes in the span of like a year. And then I was like, I would like to become a member. Carly
0: wanted to be a part of the club for real. After the break, Carly auditions for a castle membership. You're listening to Imperfect Paradise.
2: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however, you cha-ching. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash paradise. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water.
1: I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley
2: how this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever, and how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.
0: Hey, this is Imperfect Paradise. I'm Natalie Janowski. After a year of taking magic classes, Carly decides they want to become a member of the Magic Castle. As a member, they'd get to watch performances, have access to special spaces like the library, and most importantly, get to hang out at the castle whenever they wanted and bring their friends. The
3: process to become a member is not simple. There's an application. There's like a whole essay. Why do you want to be a member? What are you going to bring to the castle? When I wrote those essays on the application, I was like, well, you know, as a queer person, I think I would bring something different. But the crux of it all, the biggest part of it, is that you have to perform several magic tricks for a panel of magicians. uh, Which is terrifying to somebody who had only been learning this for a year.
0: Carly had heard nightmare stories about people bombing auditions, about how hard it was to impress the panel. They picked out four tricks to perform. The Chicago opener, mixing restored napkin and color-changing knives. And they started practicing.
3: I was trying to fit in as much rehearsal time as I could. Every friend I knew, I was like, can I do magic tricks for you and you'll watch me do them. I was like doing it over like FaceTime for friends that didn't live in LA just cause I needed more people to practice in front of. And if you recall, you can't do the same tricks for the same audience. So it was also, a lot of I needed a lot of people that I could show it to at different stages of my preparedness, you know? After months of practice, it was finally time for the audition. I was full of fear and dread (laughs) driving there, you know, the same route I always take, but it felt different that night.
0: Carly remembers about six people trying out, all of them hanging out at the bar, getting called downstairs, one by one. Until finally, It was Carly's
3: turn. And I went in and there was like, I want to say four or five magicians in there. I don't believe any of them were familiar to me, but they were all cis men. It was an incredibly intimidating room. They do a little interview and then they're like, all right, show us, show us your tricks. So I started with the Chicago opener, take these cards out of the box and... Shuffle on. But, you know, the thing with close-up magic especially is that it's all about your hands. And the thing with anxiety is that my hands were shaking. I felt like I fumbled stuff and I, it wasn't as clean as it could have been. And also, like, these are, like, pros. Like, these are guys who have seen everything. They are not a warm audience. They are just sort of, like, sitting back in their chairs watching And then you finish the trick and they just sort of nod. Like there's no, nothing. So like it is terrifying. Is that a good nod? Is that a bad nod? You don't know. There's no way of knowing. And so in my head, I was like, that was a bad nod. That was a bad nod. At some point they were like, okay, great. Thank you so much. And I was like, it's over. I was like, oh, that did not go well. I do not think that went well. I think I was too nervous and I like fumbled it and I probably needed to practice more. I just really felt in my bones that I blew it. Carly went back upstairs, back to the bar. So I thought I would just leave when I was done, and like an owl would fly to my house with like a letter. But they were like, "No, everyone, just stick around." And then they came and and got us, and so we had to go back to the room downstairs, the six of us. Just go down to this, go down these stairs to this basement room, this like you know tiny theater. And they're like, congratulations, all six of you made it. And I I wanted to cry. I was just like, because I was holding so much in my body, like the, the anxiety of it. I was just like, oh God. Carly was officially
0: a member. They were on the inside of this private, exclusive, prestigious magician's club. And for Carly, this castle membership was like being handed a golden key because members can invite any guests they want. It meant Carly could open up the castle to their friends, people who didn't necessarily look like the typical magic showgoer. So
3: I just wanted to change that, and not in a way that I was like, I'm going to change the face of the community. No, I had no misgivings of like, I'm going to do some huge thing. It was very on a, on a very small scale of like, I just want to bring my friends. And then from there, who knows? If I can start a group for queer magicians, that would be really cool. Did you think the castle would be receptive?
0: At that point in time? I really didn't
2: know. That's LAist senior producer, Natalie Chudnovsky. Next time on Imperfect Paradise, Carly enters the Magic Castle as a full fledged member and starts experiencing the less magical aspects of the club.
3: It's like women have to be elegant and men are business. Like, it's just very like magician and magician's assistant. Magic is still this microcosm of the world, but of the world in like the fifties and sixties. Is there a
1: problem with people being uncomfortable and hit upon in the club? Um, there may be. I don't experience it myself. I would make jokes about the Chung Ling stuff. Like, oh yeah, by the way, that's uh, a white dude. And it's it's racist, like, you know, it's the castle. What are you gonna do?
2: For decades, LA's iconic magic castle has been a private clubhouse for the Academy of Magical Arts, but some now say the beloved venue may not be quite what it appears to be. That's coming up on Imperfect Paradise, The Castle. Listen to new episodes of the podcast every Wednesday, or tune in on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. on LAist 89.3 or LAist.com. The voices you heard in the opening montage of the show belong to Paul Draper, Angela Sanchez, and Kayla Drescher. By the way, I want to disclose that Carly has done some freelance videography for Elias Studios, though not for Imperfect Paradise. Imperfect Paradise The Castle is reported, written, produced, and sound designed by LAS senior producer Natalie Chudnovsky. I'm the show's host, Antonia Cerejido. Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show and our director of content development. Shaina Naomi-Krockmull is our vice president of podcasts. Additional production by Marina Benya. Jens Campbell is our production coordinator. Editing by Audrey Quinn. Fact-checking by Caitlin Antonios. Our theme was composed by E. Scott Kelly, who is also our engineer. Imperfect Paradise is a production of LA Studios. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support this show by donating now at las.com join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.